Sisters and brothers, would you please pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This scripture passage that we heard this morning is truly a beautiful one. The vision of a holy city, a new Jerusalem, that God will dwell in with all of humanity. In this holy city, there is no more death, no more tears, or mourning, or crying, or pain, because all of that is part of humanity's old experience. In this vision of a new existence with the divine, there is true peace. I would venture to say that all of us love this kind of imagery. This is, in fact, one of the most read parts of the book of Revelation, which is a text that can be confusing and hard to grasp many times. And yet this part, this part seems to be something people really love to get a hold of. An image of a perfect, peaceful city with God. And yet when reading this text today in light of all that is going on around us, it might just sound like a pipe dream. In the face of injustice and oppression and disease and death, this story of God's holy, perfect city runs the risk of sounding altogether hollow. Yet it was in times of oppression to a people who were suffering that this text and many of the texts in our scriptures were originally written. Is this text about the promise of a peaceful city of God, a story with nothing to offer us today, other than some far-off glimpse of hope for a change? Or can it instead be a powerful narrative of hope today and a call to action for all of us? I have been attending a meeting of a group of clergy from Cincinnati who are very interested in this current moment of struggle for justice. This group was a grassroots kind of a group. It sprung up quickly and spread, and now there are over 100 clergy from different denominations and faith traditions from all over the area. The group meets weekly online. And right now we are at the phase of listening and asking questions of one another. One theme that has come up in my conversations with people on the call is the question, what is the church's role right now? What should we be doing and saying in the call for justice? Now this might seem like an easy question to answer, given what we preach about and talk about every week in our congregations. But the question springs from the place of wanting to support the good work that is already happening while not trying to take it over. How can we support and strengthen and follow and sometimes lead 
in ways that are helpful to the ultimate goals of justice. Specifically, what is it that is unique to God's church that we have to offer to the movement? In reflecting on the past and present leaders of our faith tradition who have worked for justice, it is the stories of our faith that they lift up for guidance and inspiration. Our sacred stories offer much to both those who are in oppression and those who should be doing something to change the circumstances for the oppressed. Many texts offer comfort to those who are hurting. Comfort, oh comfort, my people, says the prophet Isaiah. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God, says Paul to the community in Rome. Just as often as giving comfort, our sacred stories can also tell us to work for change, to do the hard work of bringing about justice. These are moving texts that call for immediate action, like the prophet Amos calling for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Or the proverb that says to do righteousness and justice is more pleasing and acceptable to the Lord than sacrifices. And of course, Jesus' teachings on the mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These two categories of scripture speaking comfort in times of trial and calls for action and justice are both incredibly powerful. They're also very draining to those in the circumstances. Being in or witnessing people in oppression is hard. Calling for and actually working for changes to the system that keep them in oppression is hard. The movement for justice is long and perseverance is necessary, but even then the goal can sometimes seem unattainable. The obstacle's just too many. It is at those moments that scriptures, like this one from Revelation, hold special power. For in the hard and seemingly never-ending work for justice, we have to have hope sometimes to keep moving. Glimpses of the holy city of God, visions of the promised land, the end goal that God desires for all of us, that God promises us will come one day. It is a gift which our faith community and leaders can offer to the world right now, a prophetic witness of hope that the current reality of oppression and pain and fear and hate is not 
what God desires for us. There is something much better and much more just in God's heart for God's people. Reverend Dr. William Barber is a prophetic voice in our current age and lifts up this very point in his book, The Beloved Community Today. He writes, under the oppressive forces and pressures of extremism, people tend to expire, to give up. And so the role of prophetic moral messaging is to inspire people, to breathe life into the masses who hardly dare to hope for more. It is to give people permission to morally act up. Our stories of faith in our God of love are ones that comfort and ones that call us to act. And when those two things seem so overwhelming, God speaks to us a message of hope. God dares us to dream what could be. In these hard times and moments when people are filled with anger and many are tired and some may feel like giving up, the church can offer glimpses what we are striving for so that we don't lose our way so that energy is restored and purpose is renewed because God's call for a holy city is a vision of hope for all of us prophetic hope was used by Dr. King in his mountaintop speech that Adam lifted up a few weeks ago it was used by Dr. King when he told us about his dream and what someday could be in our country. Prophetic hope was lifted up a few days ago by Dr. Josie Johnson, who is a longtime activist and educator in Minneapolis. In an interview with Reverend Jesse Jackson, she said, we have lived long enough to try to be hopeful again. There are hopeful signs around, she says. Prophetic hope was made visual by African-American artist Jacob Lawrence, who painted often of the struggles and oppression of his people, but also created works like The Builders. The Builders, depicting a vision of old and young, black and white, male and female workers who are building together who are sewing and sawing and adjusting construction materials, working on a project which is not yet done, a collaborative effort of the community. Jacob Lawrence was quoted as saying about his work, I like the symbolism of the builder. I think of it as man's aspiration to build harmony. Prophetic hope finds a home in many of the songs of our faith tradition, many of which played an important role in past and present movements for justice. We shall overcome. The unofficial theme song of the 60s civil rights movement puts to music the lyrics 
of a hopeful tomorrow in which peace will be the norm, where fear will disappear, where God will see us walking hand in hand with one another. Singing of this holy city and future gave hope to those who were feeling oppression, those who were struggling to find strength to continue the fight. This prophetic hope also serves as a wake-up call to those of us who need to work harder to make these dreams a reality. Because often it's a trap for us to want to move right to the hopeful image and not think about what needs to happen to get there. Our Revelation text is a message of hope to those who dream of a new city of God in which to live and it is also a reminder of how God desires us to live with one another right now. A holy calling that we have to be the ones to build the city. Religious scholar Elizabeth Fiorenza notes that the vision of a new Jerusalem described in Revelation can offer political promise of justice and salvation to the poor and oppressed. Or it can serve as a challenge to the complacency and security of the relatively well-to-do. It is this balance between hope and struggle, work and inspiration, anger and joy in what can be that keeps us moving and keeps our eyes upon God's holy city. We have work to do to get there. Next week, Pastor Adam will start to think through some of that work with us. It will involve looking at our past and our present. It will involve some discomfort and some change. Because we must all pay attention to what is going on around us right now. We are called to participate in change, to dismantle oppression. But I hope that you will also remember that God accompanies us along the way. When we feel too overwhelmed, when the problems just seem too big and impossible to overcome, it is then that prophetic hope speaks to us through our scriptures, through the prophets, both ancient and modern, who tell us that there is a place where all are free. All are equal. Fear is no more. Tears are wiped away. It is the place that God desires us to live in with one another, and we have the ability to build it together. Have hope in that holy city, my friends. Let it encourage you. Let that vision inspire your actions. Thanks be to our God of hope.
Amen.